Welcome to Kingdom Life Embassy. We're so glad you chose to tune in to another power-packed message by Dr. Maxwell Holland. If you are enjoying these podcasts, then connect with him on Facebook at Maxwell Holland. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. And Father, I thank you even for the anointing upon me today that when I preach and speak and teach, Father, that I teach according to the oracles of God. I thank you for the Holy Spirit right now to put a watch at my lips, a guard at my mouth. I thank you for that my teaching will drop like the rain and my speech will be distilled as the dew. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. I just bless God this morning, and um, you know that we are busy. Well, we said um, I'm dealing with kingdom families, and I really believe, I always say that um, I really believe God has anointed me. I am a counselor. I love counseling on relationship. I really believe that's my heart. I really believe the family mountain is where God's called me to influence. So today, I am so thankful that um, it's a... I won't say it's the beginning because I've been counseling for many years, but I really believe as a son and, and sons and daughters of God, God is doing something so special in each one of our lives that is gracing us now, not only for us four and no more, just the four halls of the church. He's gracing us now to go out into the world and to take back that family mountain in the name of Jesus. No longer will our families be destroyed. No longer will our children go to ruins. No longer, as long as we accept it as a church, so it shall be. But come on, you got to get to that place today where you say, no more. I'm taking my rightful place as a son and daughter, as one in the family of God, so that I can go and glorify God in everything that I do. Amen. So if you want to, I think Kingdom uh, uh, um, Families for me is a series because I can go in any direction this morning. And I was just saying, Holy Spirit, help me this morning that I be accurate for what he wants to implant or what he wants to share this morning with you. Apostle said, please tell them this. He says, in my wife, in me, there's a researcher. And then there's a teacher. He says, the researcher must sit down today because I've got pages and pages of notes. <laughs> so I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will now just come and do what he needs to do in all of our lives. Amen. So as you all know, I mean, I'm, for those that know me and has been with me quite a while, I mean, I was um, married at, se- well, not, I met Apostle at 70, when I was 17. I was Muslim, he was a Christian, and um, we fell in love. I mean, that is just the way it happened. Um, I think we, we dated for about two, just over two years, and when I was 19, I fell pregnant. So at 19, I was married. When I was 20, I gave birth to my son, and... That was the joy of my life. My children, I just want to say today, both my son, my daughter, they are the joy of my life. Come on, I just thank God. Come on, that should be the same for you. If you have children today, they should be the joy of your life. Come on, as parents, we celebrate them. And I honor my daughter there. She's just such an amazing woman of God, and I bless God for her. Um, so I get my son at 20, and um, he is the man that I love, and I've got a son that I love, and, you know, this is it, because some of you know the story, how it actually came about. Because I was Muslim and he was Christian, my family didn't want us to be together. So we came up with a plan that if I have a baby, they can't separate us. Well, I thank God that happened, but that's not the way to go. So, at 21, in love with this man, yeah, I have my son, we get divorced. Why? Because challenges came fast and furious. I had no understanding what it was to be married, let alone to raise a child. My whole life was devoted Like I say, I mean, I can't say my whole life, 
I mean, I grew up in a family where uh, um, mom and dad, um, I had three older sisters. I had a brother that was the oldest. And um, we were children. And at 17, well, 20, I had no idea how to raise children. So obviously the marriage, my relationship with my husband took strain. And um, it was just, you know, one trial after the other. I mean, we were, went back and forth. Every time there was an issue, I used to run back home. And, you know, it was one week we had the rakams on. The next week we had praying hands on. And it was such a confusion for my son growing up in that environment. But as we went, I mean, obviously we realized, and Apostle said, it, you know, love is not enough. Coming together is just the beginning. Staying together is progress. But working together to raise up a godly family and to pursue purpose, that's success. Because love is just not enough. But of course, over, I mean, we were, I think it was, Apostle was 36. I was... Um, 34, when we made the decision to say, I want Jesus. I'm coming after Jesus. And I want to tell you from that day, things weren't perfect, but we were on a track. We were on a track that was going to take us to a place where we were going to experience, I believe, what God had ordained for families. I believe that we are here. I know that nobody has arrived. We are all a work in progress and that he's still working in and through us. But I want to thank God that, you know what? As apostle made that decision, I just followed him and then our children followed. Obviously, when they get adults, they make that decision for themselves. But I want to tell you that my children love the Lord. I want to tell you that my children honor God in everything. They acknowledge him in all their ways. And I believe that God, as with myself, and with you, we are all a work in progress. And what he started in their lives, he's going to finish in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, we know if we didn't make that decision to follow Jesus, where would we have been? Where would our children have been? It took a man to stand and say, I'm making a change for my family. I mean, I can go on endlessly. I thank God that I never had I don't want to say that, but I thank God that he had a, his hand upon our families all the time in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of the struggles. I mean, I can think of the times even with, uh, you know, just having to go to the school and having to address things because of behavior, because of attitudes and all those things. But come on, but God, don't look at me like I'm the only parent that went through that. We're all in this thing, right? Now, let me say to you today, no matter... Watch your situation today, whether you're married, single, widowed, whether you are a, a, a teenager, whether you're young or old, every one of us, every one of us, we all come from broken families. We don't know how to do better because if we did know, we would have done it. But because we come from broken families, the mindsets, the attitudes, the ideas, the cultures come from where we came. I grew up. I mean, there's certain things that I would not even say to you what my mom told me growing up. And I thought, but wow, man, I grew up with such insecurities. And that was even after I was born again. I cried out to God. I said, God, but you said you've come to give me life to the full until it overflows. I am still as miserable as I am. I am still as insecure as I was before I came to know you. So what was happening because whatever was broken, I just carried into my marriage. My understanding of how to rear children. Where did I get that? I got it from my parents. What was not good I said, I'm never going to teach my parents or I'm never going to uh, uh, um, treat my children like that. So there's some things that we take. There's some things that we say, no, I'm going to just do the opposite. So I want to tell you, we all come from broken families. All of us have a history. All of us have done things that 
was not so good. Not for, for others and for yourself. I, even if you came from a good Christian home, your parents were still broken. Even if they didn't separate or get a divorce, they were still broken. Why? We were broken from the beginning because the first family that God created, Adam and Eve, because of what happened in their lives, we still reaping the consequences of that. But thank God, Jesus said, come as you are. But he didn't say we must stay as we are. Amen. Come on, I believe God's going to change a situation today. And if you want a title today for the message, my title that I got is Leaving a Godly Heritage. Amen. Leaving a Godly Heritage. You must understand that in the beginning of time, this was not God's intention. Uh, well, it was God's intention or was not God's intention for us to be broken, to be, for us to go through life not knowing and understanding who we are, trying to make up what is family, trying to make up what is marriage, learning from the internet. Oh, so how do I treat my husband? And then running here to this uh, uh, um, uh, uh, psychologist and then that Christian counselor. And I'm not saying counseling is not good. I'm just saying that you look in all the other places where God's intention from the beginning of time was so that we are blessed in every area of our lives. And we're going to look at that and learn from the first family. The heart of God is for family. We've got to settle that today. Aren't you glad you are part of God's family today? Aren't you just so blessed to be all able to call and honored to call Him Father in your life? It is a privilege for us as sons and daughters. Listen, the oldest institution, the oldest institution was the marriage and the family. You see, we cannot change that. When God did it, it was settled. He said, this is how we're going to function. And if we go to Genesis 1, 26 to 28, you, I'm sure you know this verse off by heart. But I'm going to read it this morning. Then God said, from verse 26, Let us make man in our image according to our own likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then he blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves in the earth. God made his family. God puts them in the earth. He then empowers them to function in the earth. Everything that they needed to function, God had provided for them. The only thing they needed to do was prosper in the earth. Come on, now you get in a picture of what God is designing for you and for your family. This was the kingdom family in the earth. And God was done. Listen to this. I just thought about it. Think about that. And think about the story that I told you um, and just shared about my testimony when we got married. Before he made the man, he first set the environment in order. Many of us are having children getting married and the environment that we come from and the environment that we still have is toxic. And remember, Apostle always and the For Change students know this, what is more important, the seed or the soil? You can have the greatest gift, the greatest potential, but if you're living in that environment, you cannot become all that God has ordained for you to be. That's why you must be born again, because you come out of your family and you become a part of His family where there's order and structure. I don't want to go ahead of myself. And that's why I'm saying, you know, would I have done things differently? 
I'm sure I would, but I'm thankful for what God done. I'm thankful that his hand was upon us. Amen. You see, the kingdom of God is not a meat or drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If you're not experiencing that in your home, if you're not experiencing that in your marriage, in your family, then we need to reconsider some things because that's what God ordained. You cannot build anything of value for you or your family without these three states of being. I don't want to say a mind. Righteousness is a state of being. Peace is a state of being. It's a state of how we live. Joy, because it's not determined on out external circumstances. Everything comes from within. Amen? So that's when you think in righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what you should be experiencing here in your home. Your identity is not found in who you are, but it is found in whose you are. Come on, be thankful that we are sons and daughters of God. Adam's image, and it was intact. The man that God made, they had their image set with God. They were able to function in the earth. So what is God's blueprint for his first family? The first one was be fruitful and multiply. I know Apostle says, you know, it's more than having babies. But in the context of what we're speaking today, he wants you to have babies. It's God's design that you have babies. Now we're going to get some understanding because we want to create the right environment. So when we do have the babies, they will grow up understanding, knowing who they are, understanding that they are loved, understanding that they are protected, that the environment will be conducive for them to become all that God has created them to experience and to be. The next thing was to fill the earth. We were supposed to populate the earth. Adam was with the same image that God put in his man. They were supposed to go out and make hundreds and millions and billions of gods in the earth. That was God's design. He wanted to them to have dominion is the third thing. Go and rule over every area of your life. Every area. Go and make a success. Whatever you put your hands to, it must prosper. Come on. That is a heritage of this child and a son and a daughter of God. He wanted you to go and have reign and rule, not circumstances reigning and ruling over you. Not you being fearful of what the future is going to look like. That was never God's design for his family. Can somebody say amen? God's purpose for his family. Why he created Adam and Eve? We look at it, the first thing was for companionship. He says, let me make, it's not good that man be alone. I want to make him a helper, comparable to him. It's not good to be alone. But this is in the context of when we're talking about even just marriage. If you, you're married, that's why God will give you a partner. If you are single, God will put you in the house of God, the family of God, where you have brothers and sisters and uh, mother and father, spiritual father. That's what he's designed, that you never be alone. The Bible says he puts the solitary in families. You don't choose which family you want to be part of. Tasman and Warren never chose. I want to be part of the Maxwell Holland lineage. They were born into it. So when God calls you, and I really believe that you've been ordained to be here today as a son and daughter of God, and for those that are visiting, we just honor you. But you don't decide which family you want to be in. No matter what the challenges are, Tasman doesn't decide he's not my brother. They might have an issue and deal with, but because they're brother and sister, they have to deal with it, forgiveness, the love of God, everything, restoration, because it was God's design that we experience righteousness, peace, and joy. So anything that is disturbing your peace, anything that is disturbing the joy in your life, I decree and declare right now that the enemy is off limits from your life in the name of Jesus. You've got to make a decision today that I'm pursuing God with everything that I have because that's what we're after as sons and daughters. In the kingdom of God, this is how we live. Amen. The third thing, the second thing was for procreation. Be fruitful and multiply. It was more, it's much, much deeper than just having uh, sexual intimacy. The third thing, why I'm saying that, he says, the third thing he wanted was godly offspring. He wanted Adam and Eve, made in his image, come from God, became gods in the earth, that they can 
give birth to sons and daughters of righteousness and that they can function the same. Let's go to Malachi 2 and uh, I'm, I'm saying from verse 10 to 16, but let me go Malachi 2, just give verse 15. In Malachi 2, verse 15, I just want to confirm what I'm just saying to you. But did he not? Okay, can I go? Malachi 2. But did he not make them one? Having a remnant of the Spirit, that's big S. And why one? Because he seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. That's why the Bible says God hates divorce because it messes up with the family lineage. It said it covers one's garments with violence. Divorce was never intended. That was never God's plan. That is why you've got to do everything. If you are divorced, God can heal and restore you. But for those that are in a marriage and you're going through challenges, divorce, uh, uh, the challenges were never there so that you could get a divorce. The challenges are only there to make you stronger and to bring the two of you together. So you've got to deal with whatever you need to deal with. My heart is pained. And this morning I said, Lord, I'm not coming to minister out of a place of anger. I'm not coming to minister out of a place of frustration, but I'm coming to minister out of a place of love. I had devastating news, not my family, but just in the body of Christ and the things that are happening. It saddens me and pains me to see the destruction of families and even just how the enemy comes in. And we know our battle is never against flesh and blood, but at what point are we going to take responsibility and say, Lord, we're coming after you. And just as you have ordained for us to leave a godly heritage, that's what we want. And listen, the day you receive him into your life, the day you make that decision, 80, 90% of the battle is won already. Amen. That is how good our God is. He just needs us to acknowledge that he is able to do what he said he'd do. So when we look at the first family, and I'm laying a foundation, here's the problem. He blessed them. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, earth and subdue. Have dominion. And before they could have children, the enemy came in. And that's why you and I are in the state, not those that are, you and I are born again, but that's why everyone that is born into this earth, into this world, is broken because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. I'm praying that God gives us grace. God gives us just wisdom. So the fall takes place and that resulted in the disintegration of God's family. It was falling apart while it fell apart. Satan was not after Adam and Eve alone. He wanted to control the earth. And in order to control the earth, he needed to stop the blessing that God had placed upon them to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and then, of course, not with in corrupted seed, but incorruptible seed. And that's what he wanted. And why did he do that? He got to the woman, and through the woman, he got to the man, and when he got to the man, that's when it happened. Men, you have a responsibility. I pray that today you will get an understanding and even us as women so that we can align ourselves and understand what God is doing in our families. And that's how God lost his family. Listen, in Genesis 1 and 2, they were functioning like gods in the earth. Psalm 82 verse 6 has said, you are gods. All of you are children of the Most High. Verse 7 says, but you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes because of what happened. We were so supposed to be, like I said, operating, commanding, creating, being uh, uh, able to subdue every enemy, everyone that comes against the work of God in your life. You were never supposed to be under any circumstances. That was not God's design. Satan never wanted to kill Adam and Eve because he needed them both alive. 
Why? He needed a family to produce children after his own DNA. Children that will function with the nature that he has and for his purposes in the earth. That's why I say to you, if you're not born again, your father is the devil. I can, I've got a verse. It says, uh, John 8, 44, it says, you are your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. So he needed children so that he can give birth to them so that they can function under his system. But I decree and declare today that this family mountain, that we're going to start taking and possessing this mountain and our families are coming and we're going to populate the earth with godly heritage in the name of Jesus. Our men are rising up, taking their rightful place. The women are coming alongside and fulfilling what God has ordained. You see, it's only in the family that you can get your identity. He's the one. God created the family. He put the structure in place for sons, daughters, husbands, wife, whatever your function is. It's in the family that you find your identity. That is why when you come into the family of God, the Kingdom Life Embassy family, you cannot stay the same because God is pushing out from you what He has called you to do. You are finding your position. You are finding your place. You're finding your area of dominion because that's why He ordained the family. Amen. I hear of sons and daughters doing great things all because they belong to a family and they understand that there's a plan, a purpose, and God has put something in them so that they can do that He can do something through them. Amen. Listen to Genesis 1, Genesis 5, 1 to 3. This is the book of the genealogy. Where am I? Am I? I must I just carry on? Genesis 5. Verse 1, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he, God, made him in the likeness of God. He made him in his likeness. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the, uh, called mankind in the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image, and he named him Seth. So now you're having sons and daughters coming out of the likeness of man and not having the image set in who God created them to be. But God never changed. Come on, God is such a good God. He never changed his mind. He continued with his plan for the family. Remember in Genesis, after the fall, he spoke to Adam, he spoke to Eve, and then he said to uh, uh, um, to the, to, to, to the serpent, Genesis 3, 14 to 15, he says, So the Lord God, Genesis 3, 14 to 15, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this thing, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, capital S. She shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Come on, thank God for Jesus right now because he already put that restoration plan from the beginning of time. That's, and, and, and when you begin to see, I mean, I'm reading and I'm going, but I just want to lay a foundation. One of the saddest, saddest verses in the Bible. Genesis 6 and verse 6. Genesis 6 verse 6. It says, and the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Think about parents that are going through tough times. Saddened by the situation of their children, grieving because of the state they're living in. That's the same thing that the God the Father felt when he saw only evil in the earth. And he said, I'm going to destroy the whole earth with a flood and every living being in it. But God had to find a man that was perfect in his generation. He had to find a man that walked with him because God was still after a godly heritage. 
He said, Noah found grace in God's eyes. The Bible says in ver- uh, uh, um, the, it says that Noah was a just man. He was perfect in his generation, and he walked with God. Noah took 110 years to build the ark. Think about that. I don't know, it must have been a few, few days. Uh, 40, I think it was 40 days, and then seven days, and another seven days, all to preserve a family. Are you hearing God's heart? All to preserve a family. All to preserve the godly heritage. God knew. There's nothing that God doesn't know. But I'm just saying to you today that God knew you, you'd, you'd be here today. He knew you'd hear this message. Sons, daughters, children, husband, wives. God wants a godly heritage. Then he finds part of that lineage. He finds a man by the name of Abraham. And he starts reprogramming this man to function again the way he was supposed to function in the Garden of Eden. Now we know that this is just a shadow of what was to come because Jesus is the ultimate. Amen. But I want to make my point here. He said in Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3, he said, Now the, the, the Lord, Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. Get out of your father's house. Everything that was broken there, get out of your father's house and come into my house. Come into my my, my plan and purpose for you as a family. That's what God was saying. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you and I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Come on, say that's us. Hallelujah. That is us. You are a blessed family because you're in the family of God. And this is how God started restoring the godly lineage in the family. When we talk about family, the first definition of family is in dictionary is parents and their children. That's pretty clear and simple. Family is an institution created by God. Without God's plan of morality for humans, we digress to animal and sub-animal qualities. And you can see how our people and the sons and the daughters, the children, how they live in and not having any regard for life and people. And it's just a sad state. Family and morality are the very fiber of order for society. When family order disintegrates, the social order also disintegrates. The problems that we're having in our nation, the root can be traced back to the family. Statistics on human criminality overwhelming indicate the broke, that broken homes are a major influence on those who become lawless. Broken homes are major contributors to drug use, illegal, uh, illegal sexual activity, inability to secure gainful employment, jail sentences, and ev- almost every other societal ill imaginable can be traced back to the family. Since the father's absence or abuse is the most damaging factor in a broken family unit, that's where Satan will concentrate his attack, is on the man. Because when he got his man, whatever comes out of the man, because every seed produces after his own kind. That is why we need to, as wives, we need to be praying for our husbands. As sons and daughters, you need to be praying for your father. Come on, that was God's design. Don't look and say, see what you're doing. Because everything started in a place. And if you don't stop that in your family lineage, you will just perpetuate that in your family. That's why I say to, you know, I got to a place and, you know, I say to my children, I said, you know, I got to the place where I I realized when you become adults, whatever seed you sow, that does not affect me, it affects you. So as sons growing up, daughters growing up, teens, be careful the seed that you sow because that doesn't affect your family, your, your, your mother and your father because they've done, they've given birth to you already. For you to change what comes out of you next, you're going to have to change certain things in you. So you become mindful of the seed that you sow. Honor. That's why it says honor your mother and your father. 
You might not be a mother and father, but you're getting one. You're looking at your fathers and you, you, you've got resentment in your heart, your mothers, and saying, you know, you should have done this and you should have did that. And, you know, it's because of you that I'm in the state. Now you're sitting with a child. Unless you make that change in your life, this is a personal thing. You will keep producing after that and you continue the brokenness in families. Since the father's absence or abuse is the most damaging factor in, the, uh, uh, in a broken family unit, that's where Satan will, I did say that, concentrate his attack. A family unit's glue is love first. The love between a husband and a wife and then the love among the family members. Without love, family cannot really exist. We know that. And if we look at the, to 2 Timothy 2 says that we're living in perilous times. If you look at what's thing is, and that's scripture, that's why I say God knew everything. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 4 says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than the lovers of God. That's what we are seeing today. This describes the behavior of the children in our societies. But the intensity and degree in the latter days, we can see it's just getting worse and worse. It's horrific. That's why I'm saying I can't even, for me to be able to, I just want to share what is on my heart, but it's a saddened state to see and to hear what our youngsters have to go through. Being abused, sexually abused by their fathers. Wives. It's sad. Got a picture the other morning, not the other morning, Saturday morning battered and bruised the picture of the woman's face, bleeding. Her husband had abused her. It should not be so amongst the sons and daughters of God. It should not be so in the family of God. May God deal with every man that they would love their wives, that they would live with them with understanding, that they would cherish them, that they would give their lives for them, just as Christ had given their lives for the church. You have a great responsibility. God is a generational God. Listen to this. This is why he needed a godly heritage. He's a generational God. So when he starts in Adam, when he did what he did in Adam, he was already thinking about the next generation. One, two, three. The Bible says that a man's uh, 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 generations can be affected up unto three, four generations. A man's seed can affect generations up to three, four generations. That's why God is a generational God. When he made himself known, he says, I'm the God of Abram, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob. God's family, his pattern for family was set. That's why he wanted that godly lineage. Because if we trace it all back, we understand where Jesus comes in. But that's why God said, I start with the one. But when I'm starting in you, it's I'm already thinking what's coming out of you. And when I start in the next one, I'm already thinking what's coming out of you. That's why you've got to put an end to any generational curse that is in your family by accepting Jesus Christ as the one to interrupt the curse that the enemy has placed upon his man. Let's go to Psalm 24. And this is the whole thing when we're talking about generational, when God is saying, I want godly lineage. Psalm 24, we can read from verse 3 to 6. Psalm 24. Who may ascend in the hill of the Lord or who may stand in the holy place? Who has clean hands and a pure heart? Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully? He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, Selah. This is what God wanted. He wanted a generation that is going to seek God's face. 
He wanted a generation that would know who God was, would know what God did in his father, in his grandfather, that he automatically would come and say, God, I want to serve you. You can go read in, 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 in Genesis 28 where J Jacob has a dream and he sees a ladder ascending and descending and God presents himself. He says, I am God of your Abraham, your grandfather. I am God of your father, Isaac. And he presents himself to Jacob. You can go read it in verse 28. Jacob looks and he says, and he says, he has the conversation, go and listen to the story, read it for yourself. But what he did was he presented himself. But Jacob had to make the choice to follow him. And when he did, he said, I bring a tithe. If you take care of me and do what you did in my father and my grandfather's life, I'm coming after you. And yeah, I've come to honor you with my tithe. I've come to give my life. Everything that I have belongs to you. And that's how we need to perpetuate a godly heritage that when they come to the age, they will automatically make a decision to follow after God. Amen. Because they lived it in their homes. I come from a Muslim family. And I thank God that, you know, my father might not have been the greatest or the wealthiest, but I had a good relationship with my father. I loved him. I honored him. He was amazing. And of course, when I came into the family of God, it was easy for me to accept God as my father. I had to learn some lessons that he just doesn't give you anything whenever you cry and he just gives you, gives you. Because that's what my father did. But then I had to learn responsibility. But I want to tell you that it was easy for me coming into the house of God to accept the God as my father. That is what your family, that is what your children should come and say, you know what? I acknowledge because I had a good father and now I know God is a good, good father. Amen. That was God's design. And I want to say interestingly, think about it. Abram, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, all of them were barren. All of them were barren. Before God could give them a family, he needed to sort the man out. Am I speaking to somebody here today? Before God could give them that, he called Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. And he opened up. Once he had the man, he opened up the woman's womb so that they could produce righteous, godly seed children. Amen. That's because every seed produces after its own kind. Father, you are a mentor, you are a life giver a worthy example to follow. I said God orders the structure. And I want to make that, up. I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want you to understand that the man, we say is the head, yes he is the head of the home, but he's also the foundation to which the family builds. I said the ills that we're having in our society is when the man is out of order, the man is out of place, the man, the children are wayward. The wife herself, because of the man. Our example for righteous living and walking by faith, Abram was the man. Why? Because he was God's man. I pray that every man in this place, every family, every man become God's man. That their hearts are for God. And that is way, that's the way we're going to take this mountain back and influence the next generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. He is a father to the fatherless. If you're here today and you didn't have that, God says, I'm the father to the fatherless. I'm a defender of the widows if you don't have a husband. Listen, he says, in, the, in God, in his godly habitation, he sets the solitary in family and he brings out those who are bound into prosperity. He brings them out and puts them operating in the earth with the blessing. That's what he does. That's how good he is. And that is why you are accepted in the beloved. And that is why Ephesians says, for this reason, 
we bow our knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Amen. You are no longer broken, busted, and disgusted. You are no longer a sinner saved by grace. You are the righteousness of God. Come on, you have a blood bought right to have your life restored, to have your family walking in peace, joy, to have children that are fulfilling their God-given purpose and destiny in the earth because that is what you were when you came into this new family called God's family. God's kingdom family. You are a child of God, but you are a chosen generation. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are his own special people. Why? So that you can proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once was not a people, but now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Come on, God's grace and mercy is upon you to become all that He's ordained you to be. Right now, even as you sit in here and receiving what He is saying, God is already doing a work in you and in your children. I'm declaring it to be so in the name of Jesus. Parents, we have a responsibility to raise up our children so that they can begin to serve God. Go to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6, I think it's verse 1, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6 verse 1, and I'm going to read, yeah, 6 verse 1, I think I'm going to go to verse 9. Now this is the commandment, and I'm speaking to the fathers, I'm speaking to the parents, and I'm speaking to the children. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over. That you may fear the Lord your God and keep His statutes and His commandments which I command you today, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, yo, Israel, and be careful to observe it, that you may, it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers had promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Year, O Israel, year, Kingdom Life Embassy, year, every son and daughter, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, of your house and your gates. This is what we have as a responsibility that every household understands and serves God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength. That our children, that starting with us, that we love the Lord with all our hearts, with all our mind, with all our strength. Amen. Listen, I read a story. And it said, I read a, a story of a young boy who was being disruptive in church, in a church meeting. His parents wanted to quiet him down, so they gave him a task that would take him a long time to complete. They found a puzzle that represent, represented a map of the world. They scrambled the, all the pieces of the puzzle and thought they, that yeah, this would take him a, a, quite a while to figure it out and put the whole puzzle together so that they can continue their meeting. They left him in the next room and within a few minutes, there's a knock on the door and the little boy is standing there with a huge smile and he said that, I finished the puzzle. The parents were amazed and they followed him into the next room and the young boy showed them the puzzle and they asked him, how had you accomplished this so quickly? The boy said, on the back of the puzzle was a man's picture. I put the man together. And when I put the man together, the world came together. If the man is together, 
the family will be together. That's God's order. And I know I said to you, I mean, there's many directions to go. And today I'm saying I'm so thankful for my husband. I'm so thankful that he's a man of God. I'm so thankful that he stands for righteousness and justice. That he does not, he stays true to the uncompromising word of God. No matter what happens around, he will always revert back to the word. And I can begin to see how that's now influencing my children. Amen. The Bible says you must train up a child in the way that they should go. I thought this was so powerful. And I want to make that illustration. Pastor Graham, just come. Please stand here. You can stand like this here. Yeah, this way. Pastor Michelle, come. Paul, come. Stand behind them there. Stand behind your husband. You see, that's how women come. They someone just go in front. Hello? Carrie, you can stand behind there, just representing Timothy there. Dr. Miles, and I thought this was so awesome. He says, train up a child in the way that she sh they should go. He says, a train, when he discovered and he studied trains, he said, the train is only the first part. This is where the engine is. This is where the power is. Now, I'm not saying, I'm just I'm trying to make an illustration. This gets the coaches, the carriages, the cars, whatever comes after, but the train is first. That's the man, the family of the home. Wherever he goes, the other cars follow. And that's the thing. Now, you understand, because the train is on a track. For those that are still looking for husbands, you better get the man that is on the right track. Amen. That he stays on that grace track. That family, that godly lineage and heritage. But what I want to say is, the man is the one that leads the family. The man is the one that goes. You see, I'm so thankful. I look at all these men here that comes to church. Because many times... It's the woman that is pushing the man. Push. Go. No, he's not even moving. Push. 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 <laughs> Do you see how it looks? Now, yes, we've got women. And, and again, I'm saying, but I just want to make an illustration. Go to the back there and see how you can push this family. No, don't move. Do you see how it looks? She doesn't even have the strength in her. To be able to push the strain. Come in front. Think about a woman. Yeah. Come here. That want to run their households. That train is going nowhere. Just as a man finds his place. And I'm not talking. I'm saying this is God's order. Man. Woman. Children. The head of the woman is the man. The head of the man is Christ. And that's how you move. So you can't even move unless Christ is moving you. And that's what God's design was from the beginning. Come on, give God praise. Amen. Find your rightful place. Find your identity in your family in Jesus' mighty name. That's what God designed. When the man fears the Lord... Psalm 112 says, His seed will be mighty in the earth. I'm ending with a scripture, Mark 5. And I'm, we can start from verse 21. I know it's a long one, but I'm just going to bring it all together now. Mark 5, verse 21. Can I have my Bible? Mark 5 and 21. Oh, there you are. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. 
Carry on. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better but grew, rather grew worse. You find women that are running all over, running from conference to conference, trying to get healed and to, trying to restore and heal themselves. Spending all their money and time running around. And when she heard about Jesus, the, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Carry on, guys. Immediately. Next verse. Immediately the foundation, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she fell at her, and, she, and in her body and felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself the power had gone out from him, turned around, and the, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? And his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see see her who had done this thing and the woman fearing and trembling knowing what she had what had happened to her came to him came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth and she and he said to her daughter your faith has made you well go in peace and be healed of your affliction while he was still speaking someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said your daughter is dead why trouble the teacher any further as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house of the ruler, the synagogue, and, he, and saw a tumult of those who wept and wailed loudly. And he, said, and he came in and he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but when, they had put, when he had put them outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talita Kumi, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, and she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. Here's the revelation. The woman that had the issue for 12 years, the father whose daughter was dying, never went to the child. They came to Jesus. Women, when you touch the garment, when you touch Jesus, Jesus will touch your children. When you get healed, Jesus will heal your children. The father came because it was 12. We think about it. The father came. When you begin to see God, acknowledge God, pursue God, God is going to do it in your family. Because God's desire is for our children to leave a godly heritage and the way he does that he's given us still today the opportunity to pursue Jesus with everything that we have am I speaking to somebody today that's going to make a recommitment to say I'm going to touch Jesus I'm going to follow Jesus and God's going to do I'm not running after my children anymore I'm not trying to make things happen when my life comes right I believe that God is working on my children right now come on where's the mom and dad that's believing God right now God I'm going to pursue you I'm not going to complain I'm not going to murmur I'm going to rise up in faith believing that you are able to raise them up you are able to turn and change their destinies come on somebody say amen right now You've got to believe that God can do it in your family. Our prayer must be, God make us first. So that we can become the sons and daughters. So that I can be the man, I can be the woman, I can be the mother, I can be the father. So that I can leave a godly heritage for my children to follow. Listen, your godly heritage cannot be received outside of God. Neither can it be lived apart from Him. Jesus must be the center of your life. 
Jesus must be the center of your family, your business, your home, and everything. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. So what does it mean to be a kingdom family? A kingdom family embodies the character of Christ, intentionally lives out the mission of Christ through the spirit of Christ, for the glory of Christ, to manifest his kingdom here on earth. Come on, give God praise. Amen. That is a kingdom family. And what a privilege to be part of a family like that. That God's going to use us as an example. He's going to use us so that when we start with the family, it's just a matter of time that this nation will be a different nation. It will be a righteous nation. Why? Because we started with the family. Amen. 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 Come on, give God praise. Were you blessed today?